I'm going to be looking tonight in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, a message I call Finding Something to Do. Finding Something to Do. And you'll see why I gave it that title as we read the text. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, where, whither thou goest. May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Finding something to do. I learned early on in life, like most children, that saying, Mom, I don't have anything to do, was not going to end well. Not a single time. Not a single time. Maybe you didn't express it just that way. Maybe you just said, Mom, I'm bored. I'm bored. What are you saying? I don't have anything to do. All right, moms have great solutions to that. I'll find you something to do, and uh, it's not going to be fun. So uh, I want us to get that out of our mind. I wanted to say it because I hoped uh, all of y'all were thinking that. Uh, So I wanted to just say it, get it out of our mind good, because the connotation of what uh, the wise man says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is not a negative kind of thing. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Whatever thy hand finds to do, do it with all your strength. Now the fact is that the Bible visits this topic many, many times. Uh, What we do, our vocation. Uh, how we conduct our life, how we work, how we do our business. It's, it's all over Scripture. I just pulled out a few examples tonight uh, uh, that went to various areas of our life. Always, of course, love Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Uh, how to put uh, the worship in our work. How to put worship in our work. Colossians 3, 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And this passage addresses what we call the working man or the working woman, the person uh, who works for someone else. You go to work, you punch a time clock, uh, at the end of the week you get a, a paycheck. But this passage tells us that that paycheck is not the reward for your work. Now, that is what you earned. Don't get me wrong. That is what you earned. That's why you're there. If they stop paying you, there's probably a pretty good chance you'll stop going to work. I mean, that's the way that goes. But there's more to it than that. And Colossians 3.23 makes that very plain to us. Uh, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all your heart. As unto the Lord and not unto men. There's where the worship part comes in. Maybe you're one of those people that has to say, you know, I really don't like my boss. You know, my boss is, well, let's look above your boss. Oh, well, I don't like his boss either. You say, okay, I, I understand. Uh, you know, I go all the way up the chain of command the very top. I'm not real fond of that guy either or that lady. I, you know, I'm just not. There's someone above them all. 
Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. You see, from the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says we are bought with a price. And our responsibility and obligation then is to therefore glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are His. We are bought with the price. And that means wherever we go, whatever we do, that when we show up for work, whatever your job is in the morning, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming, whatever your job is in the morning, whenever you punch in, sign in, whenever you get there and start work, you say, I'm on the company time. Never forget, you're always on the Lord's time. Even more than your own company time, you're on the Lord's time. And somehow, in a way, I can't explain it to you. I just see what's in the Scripture. I can't explain how God does it. But when, he, when you're working for your boss, you're also working for Him. You serve the Lord Christ in your work. In this day and time, folks... Godly people who love Jesus, who love each other, who go into work and show up on time and do a good day's job, good day's work, have a good attitude, do their work with all their heart, put their hearts into their work. What a testimony that is. They say, oh, you're a great person. Yeah, but I wouldn't be if it wasn't for the fact that I've got a great God. Jesus Christ has made the difference in my life. And because of Him is why that I want to have a good work ethic and be a good employee and do a good job. No matter what you do then, you do it with all your heart as unto the Lord and not to men. That's how to put worship in our work. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 reminds us that God gave Himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And if Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 spoke to the working man or the working woman, then this passage speaks to the Christian man or to the Christian woman, reminding us that because Jesus Christ has redeemed us from all iniquity, he redeemed us from our sin, not just some, not a few, but he redeemed us from all iniquity and purified unto himself then a peculiar people who are zealous of good works. And this speaks of our zeal, our desire then to do good things in the service of our God. We do that, of course, we've already mentioned when we go to work tomorrow. I'm not just talking about, hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday where I can serve the Lord. You can serve the Lord, Lord on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. But, uh, I mean, we serve the Lord. You serve the Lord in the workplace. But there are times then when we actually have those good works in mind, the good things that we do in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ in the faithful discharge of our duties as members of one of the Lord's churches, as, as we serve Him and honor Him. We are zealous of good works. We do what we do with a zeal and passion. Then Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10 says, uh, but we are also then created unto good works, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God intends for us to serve him, to serve him faithfully through our church, and we have a, a zeal for that. Then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, if uh, one passage speaks to the working man or working woman, uh, Titus 2.14 speaks to the Christian man or the Christian woman, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 would speak to the businessman or the businesswoman. Romans 12.11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So to the businessman, first of all, God warns against slothfulness. The opposite of which is diligence. Diligence. He calls businessmen to be diligent in the fulfillment of their duties and, and not to be slothful, uh, but to constantly maintain that, that good diligence. And then reminds them that spiritual fervor and serving the Lord is important as well. That we can't just get so caught up, he says, businessman, don't get so caught up in your business that you forget about being zealous for the Lord. And zealous for good works, too. And that's easy to do. Remember tonight, God once called a man a fool. He was a, he was a very prosperous businessman. And he was elaborating or, or, on his business success. When he said, I've had all this abundance. Got a great crop in. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I've got to expand my operation." Everything in his mind then was on his business. Everything in his mind was on his operation. But God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And Jesus explained that. Thus is any man, thus is any man who's not rich toward God. And so Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 speaks to the businessman or the businesswoman, reminding them not to be slothful, they need to be diligent. In their business, they need to take care of business and all the things there are. But also, remember to be fervent in spirit and to keep serving the Lord. Those are three great passages <laughs> uh, about work and business and our vocation in life. As I told you, these are just three. The Bible is full of it. When God had created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, perfect world, perfect environment, everything was perfect. God looked at it all and said, Behold, it's very good. It's good. But remember that he placed him in a garden and told him to tend and keep it. You ever had a garden? Anybody ever had a garden? I'm not a gardener. I'm not real good. I told you before, I'm not... Not real big on gardening. Uh, and, and it's not that I don't like work. It's, it's just that I'm not any good at it. Uh, I'm, I'm really not good at it. Some people are really good at it. You've got that proverbial green thumb. God bless you. I'm proud of you. Uh, I love fooling with tractors. And I like working on stuff. But uh, growing things is just not my strong suit. But gardening's a lot of work. Keeping the garden was a lot of work. I remind you of that tonight because let's understand before sin ever entered into the picture, men were given something to do. Women were given something to do. You say, wouldn't it be perfect if I never had anything to do? I'd go crazy. 
And I think most of us would. We like having something to do. Having uh, a, a job to go to. Having a task. And so tonight uh, we get to look at this great passage that calls us to whatever our hand finds to do, do it with might. For there's no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whether thou goest, whatever your hand finds to do. And that speaks to us, I think, first of all, of the definition of our life's work, what we find to do, what we find to do. Uh, Our life has a purpose, and part of that purpose includes our work and our vocation. Uh, The little word do speaks of that purpose. It's a matter of what we do with our life and what we do in our life. There's something that each of us needs to find to do, and maybe several somethings, but at least a part of it has to do with our general vocation. Now, it's hard for me as a preacher to try to identify with what other people do because you have to go in your life and search for things and decide what it is that you want to do in your life or what what you're going to do, what your vocation is going to be. Mine was picked out for me. Uh, I surrendered to preach when I was 14, but I vividly remember arguing with God about it when I was 11, crying out in front of our old home church because I was telling God, God, I can't do this yet. I'm not old enough. You say, how could you be 11 years old and called to preach? I don't know. I don't know. But I was. I was. I struggled with it at times and, and even tried to, try to walk away from it. If you can believe it, as a ripe old age, a, a 16, I felt like I was all washed up. I has been. I was done. I failed. Can't keep this up. Uh, thank God God gave me a second chance. Aren't you glad we serve a God of second chances? Oh, my. In my life, what God wanted me to do was very set and settled. But not everybody has that kind of calling. God doesn't call everybody to preach. Uh, God doesn't call everybody to be a missionary or a church planter. Uh, God doesn't call everybody to be a youth pastor or a music uh, a pastor. God doesn't call everybody. He does call many people. And I can tell you tonight, if God's calling you to do something, do it. Do it. The most miserable man probably in Cabot tonight is that man that God is calling into the ministry and he's telling him no. And he'll stay, if he doesn't give in to that, he'll stay miserable for the rest of his life. I talked to a man that's 70 plus who told me that God had called him to preach and he told him no. And he said, I've been miserable ever since. That was only half the story. He made a lot of other people miserable around him. It's miserable to have God's calling on your life and say no. Sometimes well-meaning people will talk to somebody who maybe, I'm thinking about maybe I'm called to preach, you say. And people will tell them, well, you know, if you can do anything else, you go do it. Well, you know, that gives you a whole lot of time to go through a lot of other things to try. If they're really true to that, they could waste a lot of years. I just say it this way. If God's calling you, do it. Say yes. Surrender. 
You'll find the joy then of doing uh, your calling. Callings are consuming. They are. But oh, it's a wonderful uh, way to spend your life. God's calling you, then do that. But not everybody gets to be called. And so we have to then find our vocation in life. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 tells us this. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The word understand means to put something together like the pieces of a puzzle so that the picture becomes clear. Uh, putting something together. Uh, not like uh, the puzzle that we usually think of when we're thinking of uh, that puzzle that has a big picture on the box and, and therefore we know kind of what, where this piece goes. We can look at the color. Okay, that's part of the sky. Uh, this is part of that big blob tree over there. Uh, this is a part of the green grass. And we can kind of puzzle it out then and just find where it fits because we've got a picture to go by. Now this is the kind of puzzle that you'd have to put together in order to see what it was. And those are kind of complicated but when you do, when you put things together and then you can see the big picture, it's a wonderful thing. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what does God want me to do with my life? Some of you tonight may still be struggling with that question. And I can answer that question in this way. While you're waiting to find out what God wants to do with your life, do what you know God wants you to do. We have great passages. God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I can tell you with rock-solid certainty tonight that the will of God for your life is that you be saved and that you understand His truth, that you learn about it and learn how to live it, learn how to apply it like we talked about this morning. I know that's the will of God for your life. I know if you're saved, God wants you to be baptized. I know if you're saved, God wants you to be in a church. I know if you're a church member, God wants you to serve Him faithfully. I know that He wants you to read your Bible. I know that He wants you to pray. There's a big, big, long list of things to do. Somebody sits around saying, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm waiting for God to show me. He already has. He already has. The chances are, if we'll busy ourselves with the things that He has taught us to do, He'll also... Show us the things that He wants us to do. It may be hard for you to think that God wants you to be a truck driver. It may be hard for you to think that God would want you uh, to work at a school or to teach classes. It may be hard for you to think that. It might not be hard at all. Remember, I told you. Remember how this piece together, this follow me, follow me tonight. Whatever we do, He said, do it with all your heart. Why? Because you serve the Lord Christ. And we could all see that so plainly, so plainly, that our work becomes worship when we understand that we worship God in our work. If that's true, then don't think that God is incapable, that His arm is so short that He can't reach out and put you in the place where He wants you. If He does that, then be satisfied with that. Give it your all. God gives you then a desire for something else. Pray about it. If the door is open, go through it. If they don't, don't. That's the best advice I can give you. Because again, in my life, I was called to the ministry. I knew what God wanted me to do. 
The only real question that ever comes up in my mind is where God wants me to do it. And that does come up from time to time. Some church calls me, hadn't happened lately, but some church calls me down in Kalamazoo somewhere, somewhere. Uh, I remember one of the biggest struggles I ever had in my life was at the church that I'd always said, I told Nancy, I said, man, I would love to pastor that church. I liked what it was. I liked where it was. I liked the people there. I met some of the people, preached the revival there, loved it. I said, man, I would love to get to pastor that church sometime. Lo and behold, one Sunday night, boom, my phone rings. It was them. We need a pastor. We'd like you to come in view of a call. Oh, I struggled. The very church that I'd always said, man, I'd like to go. They called me, wanted me to come. I didn't have a clear signal. It was one of those times where the Lord just said, you know, or I, this is what I felt. I just, well, I, you could go down there and I could use you there. Or you can stay right where you are and I can use you there. And truth be told, I couldn't find any good reason to leave. <laughs> Why pack up and move? Have you ever moved? Why pack up my family and move halfway across the state? When I'm not unhappy, I'm happy where I'm at. God's using me here. Yes, he can use me down there. I stayed. Oh, but Rich, that was the place you said you've always wanted to go. Yeah. I didn't go. Sometimes you see the timing is not right. And if that's true in my life, it's got to be true in your life too. Sometimes timing just doesn't work out. Doors don't open. Things don't happen. Do we believe our God is big enough that He could be in all of those things? And maybe the reason why the timing wasn't right, maybe the reason why the desire wasn't there, maybe the reason why I was struggling with understanding the will of God, maybe the reason why all of this, finding what it was that I needed to be doing, maybe the reason was because God had me right where He needed me at that point in time. Trust God with it. Whatever your hand findeth to do, that's the definition for it. And that is also the realm of it. Uh, whatever that you have to do. Whatever. Uh, some people never really find that. And I think the first reason is because they're not looking for it. <laughs> One guy says some people can't find a job for the same reason that a crook can't find a policeman. <laughs> think about it. They're running from them. It's hard. Uh, you have to work really hard not to have a job these days, seem like, for most people. I don't mean somebody here might be struggling, but um, there's help wanted signs up everywhere. Whatever you find to do. But then also sometimes when it comes to the will of God, uh, especially there's not a real dedication uh, to finding the will of God and doing the will of God. Let me say this to you tonight. If we're not doing what God has already told us to do, why is he going to give us another assignment? This falls under what I call the bloom where you're planted category. If we're not already doing what God has told us to do, why would he give us another assignment? Then there's the pursuit of following. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, 
do it. If God uh, does indeed have a plan and purpose for our lives, then finding that plan uh, compels us to follow it. And that's what Solomon is, is teaching us and calling us to do. But as he does so, he also talks about the passion that we use in it. Uh, the passion, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ephesians 6 and verse 6 says, doing the will of God uh, from the heart, from the heart. Whatever you find to do, do it with your might. This speaks of strength or of vigor. We're to do what we have to do with all of our strength, with all of our might, with vigor. Our service to the Lord then and our, our service in the world is to be marked by this passion that we have to please God. In our service of God, of course, we understand He deserves our very best. Our very best. We can go all the way back to Cain and Abel in the Garden of Eden and see where that Cain brought a fruit, an offering of the fruit of the ground. Do you think that Cain brought rotten fruit and vegetables? Do you think that's why God rejected it? I don't think so. I think Cain brought the very best that he had. It wasn't that it, was, uh, it wasn't his best that God rejected it. It was because this was intended to be a sin offering and nothing but the blood would suffice from that. Abel knew that. Cain didn't. If Cain knew it, he had forgotten it. But that doesn't mean that bringing God our best is not important or that he's not going to accept something that it's the very best that we can do. After all, the Bible tells us very plainly that, uh, uh, that it is what is in our heart. That God can accept what's in our heart. He knows what's in our heart. He knows that sometimes we have a desire to do more than we're able to do. Sometimes He knows the task is bigger than us. Why wouldn't He know that? Nearly all the time in God's work, the task is bigger than us. And just about the time we think it's all routine, I've got this down, nothing that gets to pop in there and teach my class, pop in there and preach my sermon, pop in there and, and lead my class. Just about that time, we're going to fall flat on our face, sometimes literally. Uh, these stairs scare me sometimes. No speakers do too. Uh, <clears throat> I've fallen over speakers for those who weren't here that night. If you want to see it, Mark has it on video. He'll be glad to show it to you with sound effects. Uh, Sometimes we fall flat on our face, literally, but most of the time it's symbolically when we think we've got it down and we don't. Uh, the classic example of that is when the, Jesus told a bunch of fishermen to go across the Sea of Galilee. That's one task they'd done hundreds of times. Never probably a thought in their mind that they wouldn't be able to handle it on their own. But before that night was over, they were waking Jesus up. <laughs> uh, Lord, we need you. Doing the will of God then from the heart requires that we understand our need for God and, and that we're following Him. And we do this then as Colossians 3 and verse 23 says, we do it heartily as unto the Lord and not with men. Because we do our best. We do all that we can do. We know it's going to fall short. But God makes up the difference. Aren't you glad he does? Amen tonight. The time of it then, lastly, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. You know, some people try to hang a whole doctrine on, on this passage and, and, and think, man, you know, see, there the Bible says you just go to the grave and that's it. 
Uh, they need to keep reading. Amen. All oh, the Bible tells us that the grave does not get the victory. O death, where is thy sting? 1 Corinthians 15. O grave, where is thy victory? It's gone. Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, ain't no grave going to hold me down. Or you either, if you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God. Whatsoever thy heart findeth do, do it with all thy might, though he says, because there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. What Solomon was describing to us was the simple fact that the time for work, the time for device, for building, uh, the time for gaining knowledge, the time for gaining wisdom and putting that wisdom into practice is in this life because the time is coming when this life is going to be over and it's no more time to work. None other than Jesus Christ our Lord told us in John chapter 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work. And those of you who, like me, grew up singing out of the old ABA hymnal knows about that old song, Work for the Night is Coming. Work for the Night is Coming. When man's work is o'er. Now is the time for us to work. Now is the time for us to be busy. Now is the time for us to find something to do and do it with all our heart because our time is limited. It's a good thing to have something to do in life. Thankfully, God arranges our life so that we do. And when we can understand that we can work and worship at the same time, and maybe God didn't call you to preach, but He's got you right where He wants you, doing exactly what He needs you to do, with the opportunity then of serving Him right where you are. Use that time. It passes like that. And it's gone. I was talking to something, somebody yesterday about something that happened about 15 years ago. Oops, it was 30. Sorry, oh, that was... That was 30 years ago. It wasn't 15 years ago. I hadn't been there in 15 years. Oops, sorry. That was, I hadn't been there in 30 years. Doesn't life pass by that quickly? Mm. It's hard to imagine just not too long from now, Nancy and I are going to have a 40-year-old child. I remember when I thought being 40 was old. Now she thinks the same thing. That's, a, that's the way that goes. Oh, it passes quickly. Use our time, Solomon says. Find something to do. Do it with all your heart. And do it while you've got a chance to do it. I talked about her this morning. But I love that story of Mary and the alabaster box. I didn't have time, I didn't take the time to speak it today, but I'll, I'll share it with you tonight. I've, I've told you before. Uh, because old Judas was over there saying, oh, they could have sold that, and got all that. Look, think of all the good we could have done with that money. Just wasted it. 
Gave it all to Jesus. Jesus said, remember what he said? Let her alone. She hath wrought a good work on me. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burial. Spring forward with me just a few days later, less than a week. Maybe exactly a week, but pretty close, right around a week. It's Sunday morning. And some women are winding their way through the streets of Jerusalem. They're on the way to the tomb of Jesus. What are they going there for? To anoint his body. When they got there, where was his body? Gone. They didn't get to do what they wanted to do. And the fact is that if Mary hadn't have done what she did when she did, the body of Jesus would have never been anointed. He, she came beforehand to anoint my body to the burial. She's done a good thing. <laughs> she knew that if she didn't do it now, she'd never get to do it. Maybe there was something in that resurrection of Lazarus Something about Jesus telling her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth me will never die. Maybe it's in something. Somehow or another, Mary figured it out. And Jesus told us, told us that she did. So did, she did her best. She gave him all she had. But thank God she did it when. She did the best she could. She did all she could. And she did it when she could. And aren't you glad she did? That's true of us. God calls us to do our best, give it our all, while we have the chance to do it. And that, brothers and sisters, is some good advice from a wise man from long ago. Communicated to us as what it is, biblical truth. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily. Because the time is going to come when you can't work anymore. Now's the time. What are you doing for Jesus? You living your life for Him? You have a place of service? Brothers and sisters, there's places all over this church that we need to plug you in if you're not serving. You say, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm too old, I can't do that. I might take issue with that. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, there's a lot of things I'm doing right now. I never thought I'd be, at nearly, be doing it nearly 60 years old. Uh, and, and a lot of us can do more than we think we can do. Uh, there's a place for you. Opportunities to serve. Openings. Places that God needs you in the service of the kingdom and the advancement of this church. Are you serving Him? How is our fervent side, fervent in spirit, that we saw all over those passages with all our heart. Is our heart still in it? Or are we letting our heart get out of it?